pay attention to what's going on. We need to pray for our state. Um, <clears throat> I think our state legislators have lost their mind um, <clears throat> with some of the bills that they're, they're trying to pass close to 300 bills before they go on break. Uh, and some of these bills are just, it's just, it's crazy. If you get on there and start looking at some of the things that they're wanting to pass, um, it, it just boggles my mind what, what is going on in our society. And uh, uh, anyway, so <clears throat> we, we, need to, we need to pray for our, our state. We need to pray for our church family. And we need to be diligent and pay attention. If, you know, we see a stranger come in, I, I love them with kindness. And, but, you know, if you're outside and you see some, you know, some guy, it's 80 degrees and he's wearing a trench coat, we really need to pay attention, you know. Um, we, we, uh, we're not here to offend people, but you see some guy or some gal get out of their car and they put a big old backpack on and, they start walking in towards the building with a backpack. Well, I don't, I don't mean to make them mad, but leave the backpack in the car. And uh, if you need a drink of water, right there's a water fountain. We have a kitchen. You can, look, you can, anyway, you can get a drink of water here, you know. We, uh, you need a snack, we got donuts, you know, six-day-old donuts back there you can have. So, I mean, we, we got all kinds of stuff you can you know, we can we can help you out with those things, but you know, we, we just need to we need to be diligent and one of the first things they teach you in any kind of safety is is we need to keep it in the parking lot. And you uh, and, and that is where majority of things happen is in the parking lot. And so before and after the service. So even after the service, be diligent, pay attention to who's here and and that's why it's a good thing where we as a church family, we need to get to know each other and where people aren't a stranger, where you see somebody coming in and you get to know who they are and you talk to them about what they do and where they live and, and, and get to know each other and, and uh, reach out to them and, and for uh, reasons of, of safety, we, we need to uh, protect ourselves and we need to protect those that we love and I just would would uh, I, I would hate to have to live with the guilt of somebody coming in here and hurting our people because we weren't being diligent and just thought that security is is not important. It is important, and don't be offended if you come up and you're a little bit late for a service and all the doors are locked. Just knock on the door. It'll be okay. We'll let you in. We're not we're not trying to keep you out, but but we also need to, to be smart about what we're doing. And, and ushers, it is important what you do. And it's kind of like Tom said this morning at his job. He said 99% of the time it's just all smooth and all is quiet. It's that 1% of high oxygen, high adrenaline that, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to manage and stop the chaos. And that is what, that is what ushers are doing a lot of times you know, you're just protecting everybody, and it does get boring and monotonous, but we really do appreciate all of you being a part of that, and take the security seriously, and, and uh, we, we need to protect one another. Two church shootings this weekend. 
So one in a Jewish synagogue on, on Saturday, and now we have this, and it was at a picnic after church where this shooting took place. So um, we just need to pay attention and, and uh, know that, that the devil is alive and well and would love to destroy what's going on here. So anyway, we get into chapter 22. Last week we saw that uh, David has, uh, at the end of ver- chapter 21, verse 15, we see it's about this time that David had written uh, Psalm 34. And you can go back and read those sometime. And then, uh, and then by the time we get to verse 2 of chapter 22, we see that David now has written Psalm 57 and also written Psalm 142. And tells you a little bit of the mental state that David was in. But uh, in that too, I do believe that what we see is... Uh, David being restored, David repenting and, and, and going to God and confessing what he'd done and, and, and uh, had gotten things right with God in the bad decisions that he had made and, um, and, and truly a, a, a sweet time of restoration and forgiveness that uh, was taking place in, in David's heart and, and truly was a great time. And it's there then that that uh, God has uh, brought him to this cave and that quiet place and that place of restoration. And, and now we see that God is starting to uh, build the kingdom and, and build those that are, are going to be following King David. And, and we see in verse 2 that everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him and he became a captain over them. What a, what a picture of Christ, isn't it? I mean, when we think about our, our position in life without Christ and, and the, the distress and the debt and the discontentedness, and, and, and here we see that he became a captain over them and, and uh, was a very powerful force. And, and it is that way. And we never can discount what God wants to do and can do and will do with those of us that will uh, look to him, trust him, and live for him. I, I just read in my devotions this, this past week and just last couple of days, actually, with Gideon and, and, and how powerful that was in, in the life of Gideon. And, and uh, here he starts off with, what, what was it? I think he started off with 32,000 troops. And God said, that's too many. If you guys go in and, and, and win the battle, that's way too many. And and so he said, you tell the people that any of you that are scared, go home. 22,000 left. Now they're left with 10,000. And, and God says, nah, still too many. Can you imagine? Here is a, here is a military man, Gideon, who, who's leading an army of 32,000, and God says, nah, it's too many. Now, wait a minute, God. I'd much rather have 132,000, and, and let's, let's dominate this by force. And he said, oh, yeah, if you do those kinds of things, then... You can't give me the glory for that. And so whittles it down to 300 men. And God gives them a great victory. And, and here we see that, and there was with him about 400 men. And God used them greatly and, and used King David. And, and how powerful that is to, to see this. And, and uh, then we know that, that um, uh, we, we move on and, and 
here we are that, and David went thence to Mitzpah of Moab and said unto the king of Moab, let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold, in that, in, in that stronghold. But then we see, and this is where we're at now, we get to verse 5, and, and we're going to, to, to try to get through the rest of this chapter. And, and in this, we're going to see some good things, but, but also I titled this for remembrance of what is coming. It's, it's the reality of desperate and rash decisions. And we see that David has been restored. We see that, that apparently by the Psalms that we read, that, that by this time that, that David has humbly come back to God and, and it's in that cave where he's gotten things right with God and, and, and he thinks, okay, now we're, we're back on the grounds where, where we need to be. And, and so we, we see some good things that are coming, but by the end of this chapter, we're going to see the reality of desperate and rash decisions that were made earlier based upon a carnal decision, based upon a decision that was made out of fear, based on a decision that did not trust in the promises that God had given him as king, and we see that there's going to be some terrible consequences because of it. And we always need to remember this, that this is a man that's after God's own heart. This is a man that God truly loves and, and is going to use him greatly as a king of Israel. But God doesn't protect him from the consequences of some really bad decisions that David had made. And there are going to be a lot of innocent men lose their lives because of these decisions. Oh, how careful we need to be in the decisions that we make and understanding that it may not just affect us, but it could impact those around us that are truly innocent in the situation, and we're to blame. And oh, how careful we need to be about decisions that we make. But, but in this, first of all, in verse 5, I, I see that God brings him back to a place of praise, and, and we should rejoice in that, and and even as David. Let's think about David's condition, first of all. Uh, we, we know that he has a repentant heart. It's a, it's a time where he's been in this cave. First of all, he was by himself, so it was a quietness. And, but it's also that that cave of Adullam was a, a place of stronghold. It was a place of safety. It was that place where he could come to God and, 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 and wipe away all the thoughts and the fears and the cares that he had and get things right with God. And, and obviously he has. And, and so now he's preparing to, to know what it is, God, what is it that you want me to do? And so then we see David's command. And not a command that he is giving, but actually it's a command that he is receiving from God. And, and here we see that now back on the right path of where he needs to be, and Gad the prophet comes to him. And the prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the hold, depart and get thee into the land of Judah, into the land of praise. David, you've been in the, you've been in the cave, you've been in the stronghold, you've been there where, where God has worked in your heart, and, and you've gotten things right, 
And so now, David, you need to go back to the land of praise. You need to go back to the the land of Judah. You need to go back to where you belong. And it's there that you need to take the stand. It's there that you will become the rightful king. It's there that you serve me. It's there that you stand up for me. It's there that you live for me. It's not in the land of the Moabites. It's not in the land of the Philistines. It's not hiding in a cave somewhere, but it's going back to the land of praise where you need to be. And, and, and how, how often we need to see this that, that, and understanding that, that when we are in a place of carnality, as the psalmist wrote in Psalm 66 and verse 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Oh, how quiet it is and, and how lonely a place it is when, when we are trying to make carnal decisions as a child of God and we're trying to exclude God from the decision-making that really and truly is His rightful place to be and to guide us and to show us. And, and as we walk in the Spirit, we'll make those decisions. But here we are in the flesh trying to make these decisions that that are not going to be God-honoring whatsoever. And when we are in that case, and when we are in that state, God is not listening to you. That's a scary place to be. And David had been there. But now we know that he had realized his bad choices that he had made, and so uh, in doing so had gotten things right with God. And, And it's a place where we also need to come to that if there have been some times where we have made some rash and desperate decisions, we need to get on our knees and we need to beg God and ask God to help us and, and, and to restore us back to where we need to be. And then we need to come to the land of praise. Oh, in all the situations that, that, are, that are going on in our lives, and even as I mentioned that cross, that, that we could write those things on and walk away, oh, how we ought to praise Him for the cross. Oh, how we ought to praise him for the love that took him to that cross. Oh, how we ought to praise him that, that, that all of those things were nailed to that cross. And we need to leave them there. And oh, how we ought to wake up every day and praise him for who he is and, and truly who deserves it. In Psalm 9, verses 1 and 2, it says, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. Uh, All through the Psalms, he's writing this in Psalm 18 and verse 49. Here he gives us another one. And and, uh, uh, he tells us in in, uh, Psalm 18 and verse 49, Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. In Psalm 28, we have another one in in, uh, verse 7. Uh, he, he tells us, <clears throat> the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. Psalm 42 and verse 11, he gives us another one. He says, why art thou cast down on my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Psalm 57 and verse 7 he, he uh, continues to praise God, and he says, My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Verse 9, he says, I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. You go on over to Psalm 71, and he continues to sing God's praises. And verse 6, he says, By thee have I been holding up from, thy, from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually 
to thee. And then in verse 8, let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. Verse 14, but I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. Verse 22, I will also praise thee with the psaltery. Even thy truth, O my God, unto thee will I sing with the harp. O thou holy one of Israel. Psalm 86, he continues to, to give God the praise and the glory that he deserves. In verse 12, he says, I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forever. In Psalm 99 and, and uh, verse 3, he says, Let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. Psalm 135, uh, we, we see him continuing to sing praises to God in Psalm 135. And first of all, verse 1, Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the name of the Lord. Praise Him, O ye servants of the Lord. Verse 3, Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises unto His name, for it is pleasant. Verse 21, Blessed be the Lord out of Zion, which dwelleth at Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord. Over in Psalm 145, and uh, verse 2, he tells us, every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. And then you go all the way over in the writer of Hebrews, and, and the last part of, of, of uh, uh, Hebrews in, in uh, chapter 13. Hebrews 13 and verse 15. And here he tells us, by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You know, and, and as we give thought to this and we give thought to situations in our own lives and, and we give thought to what was going on in David's life during this time, he, he's been running for his life. He's lied. He's asked Jonathan to lie. He's gone in and he's made himself out to be some uh, madman where he's gone in and sought refuge from the very people that he's killed trying to get away from the situation that he's in. And he's finally, he's gotten things right with God. And, and finally, we see that, that he has, has uh, uh, seen that, that God is the one that can restore him. And so he comes out of that darkness, and he goes into a land of praise where we all need to be. Oh, we do have stressful situations in our lives but you know, it's pretty hard to think about those situations if we're continually praising God and thanking Him for who He is and what He's doing and truly the promise of eternal life that He gives to us even as He gave to David. And so then it says that Gad, that Gad told him, Abide not in the hold, depart and get thee into the land of Judah. Then David departed and came into the forest of Harith. Harith has the meaning to be a guardian or to guard, to watch over. And so as we give thought now, as we are in that land of praise, and he comes back in to, to be in that position where God has brought him and restored him, oh, how careful. Oh, how careful we need to be in understanding that, that uh, we can so easily fall prey to, to Satan and and. and uh, his trickery and 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 let him destroy our lives. Remember, First Peter five and verse eight: Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You know, a picture of this too. It's not a lion, but 
I, I just saw some wacko nut on, on, on a video on Facebook this week. I, I don't know. He was over in, in one of the Asian countries somewhere, and he was on a, on a river, nasty, muddy river. I mean, he'd walk down the bank and to get in the river, and he'd suck into mud up to his knees where you, you couldn't move very fast. And, and he gets in this mud, and he, and he has a piece of, I don't know, it looked like a fish, and he'd bang it on the water. And he was swatting the water. Well, pretty soon, here comes a big crocodile. And comes swimming up there. And, 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 and he's holding this piece of meat out there and, and holding it out here like this. And that big old gator comes up there. And, and, and he's stuck in the mud. He couldn't get out. And here he is playing with that, that crocodile. And, and, and I know you're waiting for me to say, ah! You know, and then he bought, you know, he, he didn't, all right? But he's just messing with him, and he won't give him the meat. You know what I'm thinking? You're really dumb in what you're doing because sooner or later, he's going to look at that little piece of meat, and he's going to look at the big piece of meat and say, I'll just take the whole thing. Thank you very much. And where are you going to go? That, that, is exactly, that is exactly where we are so often in our lives when we choose not to walk in the Spirit it's during that time where Satan is going to come up to you and try to convince you into doing something stupid and you're not any smarter than that guy holding out that piece of meat for a 15-foot crocodile. Sooner or later, that guy's going to disappear and, and his life's going to be done. Well, it's the same way in our lives. How, how, how careful, oh, how careful we need to be and, and making sure that we're not making some rash or desperate decision or, or some carnal decision. And, and, and look, I know many of you know this song and, and, and can sing it, but I, I just want to read the words to this song. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go, for the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little heart, whom you trust. Oh, be careful, little heart, whom you trust, for the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little heart, whom you trust. Oh, be careful, little mind, what you think. Oh, be careful, little mind, what you think, for the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little mind, what you think. So be careful, little mind, what you think. Oh, we, we, see, we see here that David earlier had made some terrible decisions, some rash decisions, some desperate decisions, and he thought that God wasn't working. Look, God had said, you are the king. I've anointed you king, and I'm the one that's made you king, and I'll set you in that spot. Where would he have been if he would have stood his ground and said, God is the one that's made me king. If Saul, you want to kill me, then you go right ahead and you kill me. 
and Saul would have found out that he couldn't kill David. I do believe that. I believe that with all my heart, that, that David did not have to go through all of this. Now, did God use this to strengthen David? Yes, he did. But do you think it's the perfect plan of God that he do this? I don't believe so. I believe that God could have seen, or David could have seen God do some tremendous things in his life, but he wasn't careful. But then look at the persistent plight of pride in Saul's life. When Saul heard that David was now discovered and the men that were with him, now Saul abode in Gibeah under a tree in Ramah, having his spear in his hand, and all his servants were standing about him. That, that, stand, that spear was like a scepter, and it was a special spear, and so everybody knew who he was. And he wasn't afraid to let them know who he was by making some false promises. Then Saul said unto his servants that stood about him, Hear now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? Did Saul ever make true to that promise? No, Saul died. Saul died. False promises. Not only false promises, but we go even further and we see such a frightening paranoia with this man that all of you have conspired against me. This guy... This guy is kind of like our governor. He's completely lost his mind. All of you have conspired against me. There is none that showeth me that my son have made a league with the son of Jesse. There is none of you that is sorry for me. There, there is not one of you that, that has pointed out to me and, and has shown me that my very son has, has uh, turned against me and, and not one of you is feeling sorry for me or showeth unto me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it as as at this day i mean the paranoia that was in this guy's mind by this time and 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 here the 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 pride had 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 warped his thinking and and warped everything that he was doing to where now he's gotten to the point where everybody's against him even his son if his son was against him he would have went with david but he stayed with him and then we see a Prideful posturing from Doeg. They then answered Doeg the Edomite, which was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Ahimelech the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him, and gave him victuals, and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. Then the king sent to call Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house the priests that were in Nob, and they came all of them to the king. <laughs> he saw his chance, didn't he? He saw a time whenever he could posture and get himself in a place, and you know what he doesn't realize? Is that he was the very pawn of God. You go back and you look in chapter 21, and look at verse 7. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day. So he's a servant of Saul, he was there that day, detained before the Lord. The Lord detained him. You see that? The, the Lord hindered him. The Lord restrained him. The Lord kept him there at this time. And his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. Oh, David. Oh, David. 
Be careful where your hands go. Be careful where your feet go. Be careful of what you say. Be careful of where your mind is at. He goes to Ahimelech. David goes in there and lies to the priest. And here is this this self-serving, prideful, arrogant, pompous Gentile who's just a servant and sees a chance to build himself up in the eyes of Saul. And so he tells on David. And we see that in all of this, God allowed it to happen. I, I, don't, I can't understand God in a lot of things. I, I just can't. I mean, there, there, there are some things that are secret to us and we'll never know. I mean, I, I think of, of what happens to these priests and, and here, in all this, the, the, the violence and the pride and the paranoia and, and, and all of this, to, to first of all, to show how vile Saul is, to bring out Doeg for who he is and how vile and wicked he is. But David, David, if you are going to be what I want you to be, then you got to make the right decisions. Because when you don't, devastating consequences come. And that's what we're going to see. And so here we, we see that Doeg stands up in this prideful posturing and, and then we see that evil pronouncement by, by Saul. And Saul said, Hear now, thou son of Ahitub. And he answered, Here I am, my lord. And Saul said unto him, Why have you conspired against me, thou and the son of Jesse, in that thou hast given him bread and a sword and hast inquired of God for him? that he should rise against me to lie in wait as at this day. Then Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who is so faithful among all the servants as David, which is the king's son-in-law, and goeth at thy bidding, and is honorable in thine house? Saul, I, I, it's David. He's your son-in-law. He, he's, he's over much of your troops. I didn't think anything about it. Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Be it far from me, let not the king impute anything unto his servant, nor to all the house of my father, for thy servant knew nothing of all this, less or more. I didn't know anything. Yeah, I did these things, but I thought he was on your side. And the king said, Thou shalt surely die, Ahimelech, thou and all thy father's house. Not only did David make some rash and desperate decision, but we see Saul is the perfect example of doing the same thing. And here he tells this priest, he said, you and all your family is going to die because of what you've done. And, and so, and then we see in verses 17 through 19, uh, a pernicious display of pride. And the king said unto the footmen that stood about him, turn and slay the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew when he fled, did not show it to me, but the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priests of the Lord. I, finally, you have someone that has some character. And the soldiers said, we're not doing it. You know what, king? You can kill us. You can, you can do whatever it is that you, you see fit to do to us, but we're not going to lay our hands on those priests. And the king said to Doeg, a Gentile, a dog, one that had no respect 
for the kingdom, one that cared nothing about serving God, thought only to serve himself, turn thou and fall upon the priest. And Doeg the Edomite turned and he fell upon the priest and slew on that day fourscore and five persons that did wear a linen ephod. And Nob, the city of the priests, smote he with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and sucklings and oxen and asses and sheep with the edge of the sword. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, maybe I take it more personally, but when I was studying this afternoon on the way home, I was listening to 650 and, and special news bulletin came on and said that there had been a shooting and a murder at a church picnic. And it just made me sick at my stomach. And, and, and I hate to hear that. I don't, I don't know how many people have been hurt, killed. I, I, I hated to hear about the synagogue that got, uh, 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 you know, one, one person died in that. Fortunately, an armed man stopped it and chased the guy off. But anyway, it just makes me sick in my stomach. Can you imagine... Can you imagine how these people must have felt? They just watched 85 men lose their lives, and then that worthless character goes out, finds their wives, finds their children, finds their animals, and kills them all. All because of the pride of a paranoid king. Man, I don't have any respect for Saul. And the longer I get to know this guy, the more I look forward to the end of this when you know that he's dead. I'm sorry, but it's just the way it is. The guy was just full of pride. And, and you know what I think? I think that there are times where what do we deal with? One of three things that, that Satan has always tempted us one of three ways, less of the eyes, less of the flesh, or pride of life. If we react and we live our lives with pride, we could end up in the same place. Oh, how careful we need to be. But then we see the portrayal of repentance in verses 20 through 23. And one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar showed David that Saul had slain the Lord's priest. And David said unto Abiathar, I knew, I knew it that day, when Doeg the Enamite was there, that he would surely tell Saul, I have occasioned the death of all the persons of thy father's house. So, first of all, we see that he did recognize his failure. He accepted responsibility for his actions, for his decisions. I mean, there's nothing wrong with going to the priest. He should have gone there, but he should have told the priest the truth. He should have told him what was going on and, and let that priest then know and understand, and, and he could have gone with him or, or something. But here we see that he accepted responsibility. And then we see the restored relationship, abide thou with me, fear not. For he that seeketh my life seeketh thy life, but with me thou shalt be in safeguard. And so we see the, the ending. I mean, you know the thing we need to realize is that God is not a fairy tale. And our life is not a fairy tale. 
And it doesn't mean that because we trust Christ that we can live however way that we want to and then live happily ever after. It doesn't happen that way. We need to make the right decisions now. And we need to make sure that we are making decisions that that are honoring and pleasing to God. And you stand upon it. And it doesn't matter who gets mad at you. It doesn't matter what your children might think when when, when they're, they're hungry and, and they're like, man, I don't want to go tonight. And, and, and they're going to kick and they're going to scream. And you know what? You pick the little 70-pounder up. You haul them out to the, to the car. You open the door and you sit them in that contraption called a car seat. You strap them in. You put a little duct tape over their mouth. And you drive to church. <laughs> All right. Delete the, delete the, the duct tape. But, you know, but we need to understand, and I I hope that we understand this, that David made some rash and desperate decisions. And because of that, 85 men and their wives and their children and their animals paid the ultimate price for a decision that he made. It is. It's a scary thing. It actually ought to be terrifying that we would make a decision and think that it could cost people their lives. Well, it could. It could. And oh, how careful we need to be. But you know, the last thing that I just want us to give thought to, all these people now are are in exile. Gad, who's Gad? He's a priest. Or, right? Or prophet. He's the prophet. We have Abiathar, who's the priest. And then we have David, who's the king. A prophet, a priest, and a king. Who does that represent? Jesus. What is Jesus going to do? In all those positions, he's in heaven today, but oh, he's coming back. And he's going to restore his kingdom. And we see the picture of that with David. David not perfect in any way. But the picture is seen. How David is going to come back. And the kingdom will be restored. And the kingdom will be one that follows God. And there will be bloodshed to do it. Well, that day will come. When the prophet, the priest, and the king will leave his throne in heaven and establish his kingdom back here on earth. What a joy it is to know the power of our God, and he can lead us and guide us and direct us, and we can make the decisions that will be honoring and pleasing to him. Let us do so. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of it. Thank you for your blessings. I pray that you use us this week in your work. Now, Father, we'll see people come to trust you and use us as we encourage believers, guide us and direct us. Father, in Jesus' name I pray, amen.